in the words of Public Enemies Chuck D. Bring the noise. Element Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Hope everybody's had a good week. I certainly have. Been a decent week for me. Been a decent week. Everything's going smoothly, actually. Obviously, finishing up the lists, end of year lists for the development. Got top 10 EPs, got top 20 songs. Got top 10 albums of 2018. Got them all dropping during the Christmas period and obviously the New Year period as well for the next two weeks. So, and also and also a couple of surprises uh, thrown in in between. So stay tuned for that. If you obviously want to contact the show, email and description, Twitter Fifth Element UK, Charlie Charlie RT as well, Charlie Charlie 22 on the Instagram for me personally. And also we have a Facebook. It's all in the description below. You know how we do. So let's get started. Let's get started with sports. So sports personality of the year happened on Sunday. I'm recording this on a Tuesday. So it's happened Sunday. And obviously you guys are hearing this on the next Thursday. In the next week. So. Just a bit of background. I'm a huge fan of the show, of the of the like awards itself. Just the just the essence of it, I guess, and the reason it's a thing. I really enjoy it. As a sports fan, it is one of them day, one of them you know shows where they actually properly celebrate it in a way that I can really get behind. You know, and there's not many award shows. Period. Any uh, period that you know. Ha- talk about sports, for one. Obviously, you have stuff like the Laureate Sports Awards and stuff like that, but they're not really, none of them really televised on, you know, something as prevalent as the BBC here in the UK. So, it's something that I genuinely enjoy watching every time, every year. You know, I always record it and tune into it an hour late so I can obviously catch up because here comes the problems with it. So, I do, you know, it's not a perfect thing, it's not perfect, Sports Personality, by any means, it's just really not perfect. Uh, the closest thing to a perfect award show is probably the BAFTAs, because they just get on with it, you know, they, they have a they have a little song start to start off, and then they just have, basically, just people introducing, they don't do, they don't do what the Oscars or Golden Globes do, they don't, you know, try and have a bloody monologue with it, or a... Um, or you know, f- funny sketches in between. You know, they they don't do that. They just you know get on with it and give the awards. That's what the Baftas do anyway. And sports person of the year isn't 
isn't as bad as the Oscars or the Golden Globes in terms of like how they how they you know structure the structure the ceremony itself. They do some they they they're kind of quirky in a way where they you know they, they they did lifetime achievement in the first half of the show, which I found weird. But yeah, so they do stuff like that, and then they kind of uh, they don't give out every award the same. You know, so they they gave out the Helen Rollison Awards in the most generic way, and also the Lifetime Achievement Award in the most generic way, where they just basically introduce it and then they give a video package, and then here the winner of this award, da da da. Um, but they do also, well, they do some quirky stuff as well. So Harry Kane was a um, was a candidate for sports, for the award itself, Sports Personality of the Year, twenty eighteen, and. As part of his, uh, as part of uh, as part of their ceremony, they bring all in this in this case in this year six candidates, and they bring them in for a, for obviously an interview about the about their year yada yada yada, and they also brought Gareth Southgate in, and, that, and then at the same time, straight off basically straight after the uh, Harry Kane's part of the interview, they introduced Coach of the Year, which was Gareth Southgate, and they kept him on the stage and they gave it to him. So you know, in terms of you know. They don't waste time. Basically, they're they're very they're very they're very on to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. They don't they don't muck about basically, which is good. Which is good. You don't you don't want an award show going too long. They they try and keep it at two hours, and for the most part, they do keep they do keep it at two hours. But some things just irked me about the show itself, and they do this every they do this every year. There's always something I'm not in, I'm not into. Usually it's usually it's just like the candidates themselves, you know. They they always they, they don't really do that well in terms of um, having a very you know a comprehensive list. You know, they they some they always leave somebody out in terms of uh, in terms of the candidates for the actual award. Um, but this year I didn't really mind. Uh, I didn't really mind the candidates. I think they were all worthy, and I couldn't really think of anybody else. I mean. You could have thrown Tyson Fury in there if you really wanted to, but yeah, um, 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 yeah, not, not in my, in my opinion, probably not. But you know, each to their own. But you know, they had uh, uh, Dean Rasher Smith and Lewis Hamilton, Geraint Thomas, uh, and I forgot <laughs> Harry Kane. And I forgot the other. I forgot the other two to be completely honest. And you know, in my opinion, I thought it would either be Lewis or Dina, Dean Rasher Smith, and. In my opinion, I think it should have been Dina, because in terms of dominating the sport, she did that. She was the fastest woman in the world in the athletics calendar. She 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 did what she was supposed to do. She won the gold medals in the European Championships. What more do you want her to do, basically? You know what I mean? And the same for Lewis. Won his fifth F1 title. I mean, there's only two people in in F1 history that has ever done that. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's completely deserving. And, again... The six candidates that were there, they were all deserving of it, but I'm just giving you my subjective opinion. And, you know, if we're talking about personality, and I've had this gripe a few for the past few years where, you know, you're calling it a sports personality, so, you know, the definition of a personality, what is that, you know what I mean? It comes to that. And then you have sports to it. So is this just about who had the best year? I mean... That's a very subjective thing. So you can consider Tour de France a, you know, the pinnacle of cycling, which Gary and Thomas won. So, yeah, of course, you put him in it. But then again, Lewis Hamilton won the F1 Championship. 
that's basically another crown jewel there. Uh, Dean Rashford Smith won the European Championships, which was the crown jewel of that particular year. She can't, win, she can't win the Olympics every year. She can't win the World Championships every year. So in that case, do you consider that less or more? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's it, it gets very it gets very hard to pick. You know what I mean? It's, it's, and do you consider the sport itself? You know, if it's like uh, oh yeah, one of them is Jimmy Anderson. There you go, cricket. So, do you consider a guy who has been bowling out of his mind for, for you know for all for his whole career? Do you consider do you consider him the sports personality of the year? Yeah, you know it, it it gets it gets a bit complicated. And when they add personality into it, so you know if you listen if you watch the interviews, people like Harry Kane. I wouldn't consider much of a personality if we're really being real. Dean Rasher Smith. The most bubbliest person I've I saw on that stage that uh, on Sunday, bubbly personality. How can you not like this woman? Honestly, and when you wa- and when you watched it, you understood that. Yeah, she she should definitely be there because you know as a personality. I know I'm being very specific with this, but you know we have to find a way to split them up, and they have put the word personality in there. Uh, you know, what I mean? so if you if you're gonna put that word in there, then we have to take their personality into account. Which I wonder why Andy Murray has won it three times. But hey, I digress on that. Shit. I digress on that. And a couple more things. Um, <laughs> so uh, as I said, one they uh, introduced one thing called the Helen Rollison Award, which is basically just a award for a person who has um, you know been the, the, the ultimate underdog, you know, and has, and has not fought, and has fought through a certain life-changing moment, or, you know, something like that, and have still managed to pursue their dreams kind of thing, and this year it was Billy Munger, who was a F Formula 3 driver, I think, don't quote, uh, don't quote me on that, I think it's Formula 3, and um, he was in a crash, and he had to have his, both his legs amputated, and in the past year he has gain the ability to walk again uh, with prosthetics obviously and has gone back to racing fully deserving of the award and you know obviously in the in the efforts of uh, streamlining the show they basically cut him off when he was going to thank his parents and uh, you know it was super awkward and it was just like bbc you've done it again oh they do this every time so it's always it's always something um and granted, they you know they uh, later during the show they allowed him to actually say what he was going to say, which was a, which is a good you know save, but you know the damage was done. It was just it was just hella awkward, but you know they they did what they could. They they stopped the bleeding, I guess. Um, and there's actually one more thing that I was thinking about uh, during the whole show. <laughs> yes, okay. So the last thing I want to talk about. <laughs> Uh, so one of the a couple of the awards um, before before the actual you know sports person of the award itself the final award obviously of the night um, there were two more awards team of the year and greatest sporting moment okay so just 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 think if you if you're into sport just think in your mind okay what do you consider the greatest sporting moment of the... And who do you consider the team... I'll hit my mic. Who do you consider the team of the year, okay? If you have an answer... If you have, if you don't have an answer, pause and find one if you really want to, if it's really that deep for you, but... You 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 understand, if you have, like, a simple one in your head, you, you'll understand how funny this is for me. 
So they introduced the team of the year, and it just so happened to be the English uh, net, uh, women's net, well, English netball team. Okay, they won Commonwealth gold earlier in the year, and obviously, not many people. Well, a lot of people watch the Commonwealth Games, but I don't think people are into that netball. Obviously, you know, it's not the it's not the most popular sport in the world. Okay, so. Just, just, just imagine, just imagine, right, when they go up for that award, right, and, you know, their captain's talking and talking and going, you know, netball's on the up, you know, thank, thanking the UK sport and, da, 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 and all the governing bodies, okay? Okay, and then, and then, and then, then greatest sporting moment. Hang on, ladies, stay on the stage, because it just so happens you've won greatest sporting moment, which was the moment they won the game, the gold medal game against Australia, one of the best, the best, probably the best netball team, uh, you know, when the time was on zero. Buzzer beater, technically. <laughs> um, and they considered that as best sporting moment. And that one was voted by the public, okay? Just remember that. The greatest sporting moment was voted by the public. So... The fact that they won both of them awards made me laugh. Not because they're not deserving of it. They they definitely are deserving of it. And you know, personally, I can, you know, it's fine. I, I'm not I'm not really against that. Cool. It's a great. It was a great moment, and it was kind of a hair raiser to be completely honest. If you watch netball like that, but the the the, uh, the Twitter sphere. I had to go on Twitter straight after straight after I watched it. I just watch all the men that love football to death going, why is shit basketball getting these awards? <laughs> people were so salty. You football people are so salty. Football Twitter is absolutely toxic sometimes. Honestly. Oh, it was so funny to watch Pete old white men rage about all the fuck is netball? Kieran Trippier's free kick, the penalty shootout. Come on, people. Football, football, football. Like, come on, guys. Right, I understand, right? When it comes to, the, you know, the popularity meter, sure, football wins everything. And another thing that made me laugh was um, how the guy, uh, Frank Skinner, Lightning Seeds, and David Neal did three lines. And... I wonder what I wonder what some people would have made of the uh, the performance itself, where you know they had the uh, Jamaican steel drums and then they had the uh, the, the Asian dancing and the and the and the choir and the Baptist choir. Yeah, that that would have been um, oh, the multiculturalism must have must have gotten people a bit a bit scatty. But hey, <laughs> I just had to sit there and chuckle all away. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's just it was just mad funny. Just uh, you know. Watching people on Twitter absolutely rage at some of these awards. Um, uh, I did. I did see a couple of political ones because they had. They had. They had to throw in the political ones. You know, it's just. It's just. It's just great. Um, as for the sports personality of the year, it was Garin Thomas who won the Tour de France, and you know, I, I don't really have much of an opinion on it. I, I. I watch it very. Whenever Tour de France is on, I put it on in the background whenever I'm doing something, uh, and yeah, just. I'm not really, I'm not really like you know, hundred percent focused on it every single second of it because it's the Tour de France and it's long. Excuse me. Um, yeah, as I said, I would have said either Lewis Hamilton or Dean Rasher Smith. If we're talking about personality, then definitely Dean Rasher Smith. Um, yes, I know Lewis Hamilton said slums, poor wording, and you know this is probably for a later conversation. Uh, uh, but you know, 
the, some of the hate that Lewis Hamilton gets, some some of it's justified, you know, if you want to talk about his tax evasion, then sure, if you want to talk about it, the fact that he said slums, even though he lived in Stevenage, which I don't think is a slum, I don't live there, but I'm sure it's not a slum, um, I think the council of uh, Stevenage actually went, uh, uh, took took a couple shots at him after, after that, so yes, obviously, poor wording on that front, the uh, princess thing that he did with his, uh, I think, nephew or something earlier in the year, yeah, you know, these are these are things that he could have avoided, but as a athlete and as a you know as a story, it's pretty remarkable how he's come from there to, from from where he's coming from to now. And you know people give him flack for unnecessary things, and I can't help but think it is um um what's the word um, um motivated in a certain way in a, uh, towards a certain fashion. Um, but, yeah, you know, some, sometimes he says some dumb shit, and, you know, he, he clearly needs to work on that, so, um, but, you know, in terms of the award itself, I'm, 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 you know, it's not that deep for me, but, um, it is enjoyable to watch, and, honestly, the, the amount of chills I got during the actual show, is, uh, during the actual ceremony itself was amazing, and, um, yeah, Billie Jean King's speech, Billy Munger's speech, um yes yeah, so the v the, the 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 um the unsung hero award was that it's actually or always a good highlight um you know the people that actually you know aren't famous or anything but they're just local people help using sport to inspire and to help people get fit and stuff like that and that's always needed in the world so um, an award like that is something very valuable um so yeah that was sports personality of the year and also one more thing, if any, if you know, not that anyone from the BBC listens, but if there was, in any form of fashion, and they had some power towards this particular decision, don't, don't, don't hold back the candidates until on the night. It it doesn't work. It it just doesn't work. Just give it a month. Just give it even a two weeks in advance or a month in advance. Just just do that. Just just give some hype because. I, I love the show, and I didn't even know it was coming on until the day before. You know, that's silly. That is silly. You should have dropped the nominations a month or two weeks earlier and just allow me to get hype and allow me to do some predictions like and everybody else. What are you trying to do? Keep it away from bookies? Like, who cares? Just don't do not do that again. That was a, I can see what you're doing. It, it didn't work, okay? It failed miserably. So, yeah. And that's it. So, on to the next thing. Um, so, okay, film and TV. So, obviously, we have talked about a couple of times um, the exit, which is what I'm going to call it now. I'm not going to call it B because it's very, very, very blunt. But I think the exit is something that I can, uh, that I can put across, and you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, because I don't like saying the word for it. It's, it's, it's uh, yeah. I have my reasons. Um, obviously, the whole reason why Vote Leave won is obviously under investigation at the moment, and all you know, all of that, the legitimacy of it, you know, it's all under question. It's, it's you know, nearly two years afterwards, and is still in question. Well, it's two years afterwards, actually. So, why HBO and Channel Four decided to make a TV film? about 
a man who apparently spearheaded the Vote Leave campaign when it, none of it is settled and the, the dust hasn't settled on it. Why would they make a TV film on it is beyond belief. So, if you haven't heard, this is, um, this, I'm, re- I'm reading from a, 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 Vox po- a Vox article here, um, all links I read from, oh, nearly shook, shook off the table, all links I read from are going to be in the article uh, article part of the of the show where I put when I put the show embed it on an article and put it on the fifth element. So if you want to check out the fifth element and read what I'm reading, by all means go for it. So Benedict Cumberbatch is leading uh, this HBO movie about the exit, and they label it as controversial. Damn right, it's controversial. So on Friday, HBO released a tra- revealed a trailer for the upcoming film. I'm still not going to say it, The Exit, a Toby Haynes-directed drama about the 2016 Vote Leave campaign that, quote, goes behind the scenes, revealing the personality, strategies, and feuds of the Leave and Remain campaigns, according to HBO. Set to premiere on HBO and the United Kingdom's Channel 4 on January 19th, The Exit aims to be a dramatic retelling of the highly advanced political campaign that encouraged Brits to vote leave, uh, the vote to leave the European Union, a campaign whose tactics, motivations, and repercussions are yet to be fully understood. That's a key. That's a key phrase right there. It is yet to be fully understood. So why are you doing a film on it? Hmm. It, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. The film, in an international co-production with BBC Studios, Channel Four, and House Productions, stars Benedict Cumberbatch as the man who spearheaded that campaign, Dominic Cummings. Cummings, who met, whom the trailer introduces by saying, meet the man behind the exit, uh, was the campaign director for Vote Leave from its creation in October 2015, and is credited with coming up with the slogan, take back control. Oh, the good old the good old quote. Uh, it's here in brackets uh, here. Observer columnist Nick Cohen recently called him, quote, the most important contemporary figure 99% of the population have never heard of. Oh, that's a nice tagline for them. In the trailer, Cummings appears to stoke racial resentment, asking, Is it immigration? You could be honest. Is it race? Which countries don't you like? While writing Turkey on a door, covered in notes, and explaining the Leave movement as about a desire to, quote, return to a time when we knew our place. The trailer references the advanced questionable data tactics that the campaign employed with Cumberbatch's Cummings discussing, quote, hacking the electoral system, and building a social media strategy that will, quote, re- will restack the odds in our favour. The film's timing is controversial, with the UK deeply divided over how to leave the EU, and whether the decision to do so was undertaken fairly. A number of Brits have taken to Twitter to express their anger at the film. Carol... What is up with these names? Carol Cadwallader... Cadwallader... It's, 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 this is spelling. C-A-D... Cad... L... W A L L Wall A D R. What? Cadwallader. 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 Yeah, Cadwallader. <laughs> okay, so yeah. She has. She's a journalist and has been conducting extensive investigations into Vote Leave, okay? So, let me hop off that and hop on uh, what she said onto Twitter. <laughs> so, put simply, she says, fuck off HBO. Imagine if we did this for Trump right now, you are literally interfering in our criminal justice system. So, and the whole article continues in talking about her research, basically, you know, into the, 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 the Vote Fair UK, preparing to launch a legal challenge over the over everything. And also a little tidbit here that 
Cummings, who is, you know, the man who did it all, apparently, um, he's actually refusing to appear before a House of Commons committee inquiry into fake news. Interesting. Very interesting uh, tidbit there. So, yeah, this this whole thing is backwards. Uh, uh, just, just, just totally backwards. Like... I don't really know. Obviously, Channel Four was a you know a large organization, and their news and their creative endeavors are completely different departments. But I can't I I can't understand why they're doing and BBC Studios as well. Why are they doing this? I mean, I'm not I'm not against you know them doing it you know conceptually right, but the timing is wrong. Timing is all wrong. This is a legal battle still ongoing. You can't do a TV film about it when none of the facts are clear yet. Like, it doesn't make sense. Do you see a Trump film dropping now? Yeah, we're not counting that Michael Moore documentary, let's be real. We're not counting that. That's not what we're talking about here. This is different. Again, one for one thing, that was a documentary, and you can, you know, you can timestamp that uh, in terms of when you filmed it, and do what you will with that information that he gives. Okay, this is a TV film. Okay, this means that they, I that they can swim in the facts or not. Basically, they can pick and choose what they want to do. It's conceptually, you know, biopics in general are, you know, most of the time. On average, well, I don't even want to give a number, but, you know, they're never 100% true, okay? The most true the most true in terms of events covered in a film I have seen is uh, Selma, and I think that was like 98, 99%, 98%, 99%, okay? So, no film, no biopic about a real-life person or event is 100%, okay? So, they're doing this film... And it's going to, obviously, like I said, not be 100% correct. And, you know, I, I can't really talk about uh, what Cal Wallader um, says about it. Because, obviously, she's looking into the actual legal side of it. And I'm not. I'm not looking into the legal side of it. But I'm looking into the, you know, the more the cultural aspect of it. You know, people are stupid sometimes. They're going to watch this and think it's gospel. So if they, if, 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 big if, if they feel like, you know, switching up some facts or whatever, or, 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 you know, make it look more as if it's negative or more positive than it actually is, tipping the scales in that, in that fashion, then people are going to be misinformed. And, you know, like I said, some people can be stupid. Some people can be stupid, let's be real. And they're going to take it as gospel. So when when you when you Again, I'm not against this film in terms of, you know, concepts, like he'll be I think he'll be quite interesting to look into this person that none of us know. But could you at least wait? Could could you have at least waited until, you know, everything's clear? You know, they they didn't film they they didn't do the film Titanic as this ship was sinking. You know what I mean, they they they, you, they wait a few years. You know, there's always a waiting period, a die down period. So we all know the facts, and you know, and it even helps actually to have you know the um cultural impact and the cultural 
aftermath and seeing what people think about the subject, it actually helps. Like, so if they made this film five years down the line, it would be much more appreciated because people would go, oh, oh this is interesting, this is an interesting part of the whole, you know, complete change of our, uh, of, of our country. You know, and talking about this one person that did it, that, that, that spearheaded the uh, the the xenophobic um, you know side of everything, it's it's quite interesting on on in my mind, but it's just not logical to do it now. It's just, it's just really not logical. So I don't know. It's it's, it's their pee, obviously, but it, it it's just a bit immoral. Basically, it's a it's a bit immoral and. Ugh. I I can't, I can't I can't get behind it. So we move on to the life segment. So I wanted to actually talk about something more something more light because um, I've recently been you know in the past week I've been you know look I've uh, been looking around you know you know as in my day to day of uh, looking about on social media yada yada and. I've been seeing a couple of, you know, people getting triggered over certain things and I'm just sitting here, sitting there reading them and I'm just going, why do you care? Honestly, let's, let's, let's talk about it. So, uh, I watched a, I watched a daily show clip, uh, daily show, Trevor Noah, Comedy Central, you, you probably know the score and comedian Neil Brennan, uh, hopped on. This glass table because it's very it's very rickety sometimes. So if I put my foot on something or put my hand on something, sometimes the whole table moves and yeah, you know, it could be very rickety and make a noise. Apologies, but um, anyway, continuing. So comedian Neil Brennan hopped on to do his segment, and he was talking about basically a lot of things. the The main the main umbrella is basically truth giving to children, I guess. So there was a story in America where a school teacher was actually fired. Uh, because she told the kids that Santa isn't real, okay. So let's just say let's just let's just reiterate. So she got fired, right? Because she told the kids in the class that Santa isn't real, okay. Now I don't even I I, I honestly I don't even remember. I know this is probably just me. <laughs> But um, I don't really remember being told Santa was real or fake. I kind of just figured out on my own um, because I was too eager and wanted presents immediately. So, you know, sometimes I just saw my mum come in with a box and I was like, oh, what's that? Is that for me? And, you know, just, you know, constantly badgering her. So, you know, the the term, the, the concept of Santa didn't really just went kind of over my head. Um, so, yeah, that, you know, in terms of, you know, Believing Santa was real, you know, in in the quote unquote sense, you know, I, I don't think I, I don't think I ever did, but you know, I, I, I don't know, maybe 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 I'll, maybe I've, maybe it's a repressed memory in my head, and Mum told me one time, and it actually scarred me for life. Who knows? Um, so yeah, this woman got fired for it, okay, for for telling the kids that Santa isn't real, okay. Now whether you agree with that or not, I mean, if you do agree with it, you're kind of mental, because I'm not who. How are you losing your job over that? Come on, seriously, stop, 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 stop. Um, and then Neil Brennan actually goes into more uh, goes into more interesting territory. Um, so he starts to talk. So he starts to talk about you know, uh, uh, basically just truth giving to to not just kids but to people in general. 
So one of the things he gets into, <coughs> excuse me, is that uh, cleanse diets don't work, which is just it's just a, just a general fact. It's, it's a good start. And then he actually goes into something that I am triggered by, uh, which is the concept of Alexa. And, you know, the whole home assistant, excuse me, uh, the whole home assistant thing, you know, Google Home, the Apple Home one, whatever you call it, you know, stuff like that freaks me the frick out. Like, it freaks me. Like, if, listen, right, right, I'm just going to, just going to get in close. If you, if, if I am in your home, okay, if I am in your home and you have an Amazon Alexa or a Google Home, or any of those, right, that listen to you constantly, I will either leave immediately, or not talk for the remainder of me being there, okay? Okay, good. Now that we got that out of the way, and he, you know, he, he, he gets more deep into it, saying that Trump's going to get away with it, and, you know, deep down... We kind of believe that, you know, we kind of believe that he's going to get away with it. I, I mean, I do anyway, I don't know about you guys, but I just, I just, I just feel like he's just going to get off scot-free. <laughs> and he also uh, says that um, the Democrats won't win in 2020, which is quite funny. But here's, but here's, here's what's funny about all of this, right? And it reminds it remind me of another thing that was going on social media. And it, inclu- and it actually was talking about Santa, actually. It was, it was in that subject of Santa. So... You know, some of you have, most of you have seen the po- uh, seen articles here and there talking about people wanting Santa's to be Santa to be gender neutral. Okay, people are getting so triggered over this, guys. Santa's not real. He stop, stop. I know, I know what you're saying. I know, I, you, oh, Charlie is real. You know about? Yeah, yeah. Stop. Okay, let's, let's get that joke out of the way. Okay, yeah, he's real. What are you on about? Uh, um. No, okay. He he's he's a fictional being. Okay, I could not give two shits about Santa's gender. I could not care. I really don't. Honestly, I'm just thinking about. Let me just um, I'm just uh, search my um. Right, there we go. Come on, just um, hang about. Let me go. Hang back, guys. I'm just searching. Just search for my book of um, shits to give. Damn. All out. Damn. That's unfortunate. Let me just put that back. Yeah, so I'm, I'm officially out of shits to give on that front. So, um, yeah. Um, it, it, why why do you people get triggered over this? I know I know it's more about the conversation. The, the, umbrella conversation of, you know, oh, there's more than two genders and, you know, stuff like that. And I have my opinions on it, um, but in terms of, you can't let that get into this, you know what I mean? Let's just, let's just understand, all right? When people are talking about their gender, you know, gender neutrality and if there are several genders, whatever, more than two, yada, 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 right? You, you can, you can get into that if you want. Okay, you you can get into that if you want. Okay, get angry about it. Fine, sure, whatever. And then people, pe- and then people support it. People don't support it. That's how life goes. We disagree and we move on. Okay, we have our debates and we move on. All right. On the other side here, we're talking about Santa. Okay, we're not talking about again. We move to the left again. We're not talking about real people. We are not talking about real people and their opinions. Okay, we're talking about a fictional being that has no 
power or weight or, you know, social credibility over who over gender politics, okay? It's a fictional being. Stop getting triggered over it. <laughs> again, again, again. Move to the left again. You can get triggered over this. You can get triggered over gen- gender politics and all that. But you can't move it to a fictional character that you, for some reason, care about, okay? These, these are... They may be in the same umbrella, but there's one thing you should give a shit about or, or and not give a shit about, okay? It, it, it Stop. <laughs> it's just stop. It doesn't make sense why you people care so much about this. Santa's real. Santa isn't real. I get if if you're if you're gonna fire me over that. If I was that teacher, I'm suing, suing, suing. That is bollocks on the highest order. Imagine that you just got you you uh, you go to your parents or something or your mates and you just go like oh I, oh. Can you believe it? I got sacked. What did you get sacked for? I told the kids that Santa wasn't real. Huh? You, you, you what? Is that it? You didn't you didn't like, you know, you, 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 you didn't uh did any inappropriate touching or you didn't steal anything? Nothing nothing like that. You you, you told them Santa isn't real and you got fired over that. Yep. Bollocks. Okay? That's bollocks because it's Santa. Don't care. I don't, I just don't. I just. Don't. <laughs> I just don't care. It's more like it's and in this conversation is more about what you people get triggered over, which is, and it just makes me laugh. You're wasting energy on this, and technically I'm wasting energy on it, but I'm I'm fine with it because I like I'm enjoying laughing at you guys. This it, is unnecessary. <laughs> this is so unnecessary to get triggered over, guys. It's Santa. Not real. It's fine. He could be a woman if you if he really if people really wanted to make him a woman. It's fine. Jesus is black. It, calm down. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Just calm down. We all have our opinions. It's fine. And, I, and I, as soon as I said that, your your blood boiled a little bit, didn't it? Your blood boiled a little bit. Just calm down. Just, just chill. Let's have a conversation. But on this, on, on the religion front, we can have a conversation. But on the fact that it's Santa, I'm not having the conversation. Okay, it's it's you, you chat shit. I feel I feel good. I feel good. I feel I feel good over that. So let's move on to the final. Let's move on to the final uh, final topic of the day: music. And it is a special, special segment, special, special segment, because on the same day I'm dropping this episode, we are also dropping the first Fifth Element end of year lists. And I've made a change since since the past couple of years. Uh, Usually I've been doing it from EPs to albums and then songs last. But now I'm going to move songs to the forefront and move songs first, then EPs, and then albums late. Uh, well, not late, uh, last. So, with this said, here are my official uh, 5e top 20 songs of 2018. So, kick back, relax, and let's, and let's get into the tunes. Um, if you want to, like, you know, look them up and listen to them as I go through, uh, it, that, would, that would help your experience. 
but um, and obviously the I'll drop the link as well onto onto the um, on, onto the article page, and I'll probably drop it on with the links along with this particular show. So you know, even though I'm reading it out as well, read the article as well. You know, help your boy out, help your boy out, because I'm not going to tell you everything I wrote on here. I'm just going to give you little little uh, little. Little little tidbits here and there, so obviously it gets you gets your mouth watering through a little bit more. I need I need all the description, and then you click the link, hook up your boy. So and this is in no particular order as well. This is not ranked because if I was ranking them, I'd be here until twenty twenty. Um, so we start off with a song that I've been actually been listening to since January because it dropped in January, obviously, and yeah, it's been on constant on my regular rotation. So this is The Evils by Sir, um, a TDE artist, uh, off his album November, if you want to give that a listen, great album. So whenever you need to chill, you know this song's getting played basically, when it, just play this song. It's a smooth track, it's got good drum work, hi-hats, keep you balanced, it hits you with these hi-hats where like, you know, you have to um, you have to turn it down a little bit, but when you find that level, when you find that volume level... It just, it just works so well. It just works so well. Um, this, this is uh, Sir's best song. Early, you know, it's early in his career, but it's his best song so far. Um, tasty bass licks throughout. Yeah, for mentioned high drums and high ass alone. That would make the, the song decent, but the thing that really takes this song to a higher level is the sample. So it takes uh, Reggie Ice, Billy Boyd's uh, One Spliff a Day and, you know, makes it kind of, makes it kind of sound chipmunky. And it puts in the, as a de facto chorus, and put that with the beat as well. Oh, it's it's great. It's amazing. Um, if you smoke, if you smoke, if you smoke, if you do the, if you do the, you know, um, this is this is a song. Put it on your playlist. But even if you don't, you know, it's still a chill song to listen to. So um, highly recommend uh, "The Evils" by Sir. Next one, uh, Forty Four More by Logic. Now, um, obviously, I've uh, in terms of making this list, I had to um, obviously it's twenty. And I've obviously risen that from 15 from last year. Uh, but I still wanted to have it, you know, uh, I still wanted to be democratic about it, I guess, in a way. Um, I didn't want to put two songs by the same artist because that would obviously be a bit unfair. So um, it was either this or 100 Miles and Running from his album Young Sinatra. But I chose 44 more. Um, because when it comes to logic, obviously you, you either love him or hate him. Obviously we know all that. Did you know he's biracial? I didn't know that. Just found that out yesterday you know but you know when logic's in his lyrical bag there's nobody there's not many better there's not many better he's high high elite echelon okay um the bars on this are too clean um there are two highlights i found from here so uh this is one bit where he talks about um uh trying to get his kids through college and obviously saving and then on the flip side as soon as he finishes those couple bars he actually switches up going saying the same bars but flipping them in a way where it's like his kids are saying uh daddy wanted to be acknowledged even though he just said i don't uh, you know i want to be i don't want to be acknowledged or you know flexing just because he wants to be acknowledged and it's it's an amazing highlight, and obviously when the beat drops and he goes, who you know, drop the album back to back to back to back to back to back again, Myers melted at that point. So um, yeah, had to st- <laughs> that's basically it. It's just it's just an absolute banger of a song, um, banger of a single, and yes, yeah, just if you want bars, that's it. That's that's where you go. Um, Hangman by Dave. This track is super super deep. Uh, just it's just got this uh, real simple beat with a piano just 
just a oh, cold piano over it. And obviously, um, if you remember earlier in the year, there was the murder of Harry Uzoka, who, the, the uh, young black model who got stabbed uh, in London and died uh, coming to those injuries. And um, because of that, Dave actually tweeted out one time that we needed to bring back Stop and Search. And obviously, if you know the history of Stop and Search, that's obviously a bit of a, 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 a weak... Uh, an open wound for 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 young black people, for for black people, especially in the London and the metropolitan areas in in the UK. So obviously he was checked on that, but then a few weeks later he actually dropped this song, and he actually talks about all of it. He talks about Harry. He talks about the stop and search and saying it was wrong of him to say that, and he uh, you know is trying to find solutions. But he also goes into, he, go, he also broadens it up, he talks about the collective mindset of young black men, talking about a, a, a bar here where he goes first in motives and last in the meetings. Uh, when we were young, we had dreams of being bosses, ballers, doctors, lawyers in office. And he also actually ends the song by saying, uh, two youths are dying and I'm sick of it. And, you know, the whole song is very of the moment, but it's also timeless at the same time. And, yeah, it's just uh, it's just something worth a listen over and over again just for the messaging standpoint it's great um optimistic featuring brandy bulgars green common uh robert glasper and kareem riggins uh this song is just super light it's just it's not chill in terms of the um and in terms of sir in that kind of context of like you know like lay back and chill but it's very soft uh brandy's voice is just just comes through here like just center stage um there's, there's a calm there's, there's just a calmness to this song and um it covers the sound of blackness's song of the same name uh, in, in 1991 if you want to give that a listen to it's more choir um and yeah basically this uh the sonics for this are more calmer and uh, than its predecessor and it actually gives brandy a platform to make her song hers to make it hers it's practically her song even though she's featured on it um, it's basically hers. Uh, Common drops a good verse on here, and um, yeah, and also the messaging is great. Uh, but you know, keep your head up. You know, be optimistic, and you know, it's, it's good messaging. Uh, next song is apparently, according to my Spotify Wrapped, the most uh, played song on my pl- uh, uh, for me. Uh, apparently, I played this the most out of every song I've had on the regular on the regular rotation. It's a uh, Hell O by the Flatbush Zombies. Um, this track is just a banger. It's 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 just it's just a banger. It's just a pure banger. Um, every element in this song just gives you that primal energy. And if, if you know what I'm talking about when I talk about primal energy, you just you you know you know what I'm talking about, right? It's just you know you 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 just imagine yourself like, I don't know punching through walls or or moshing for like three minutes straight. It's just something. It's just that that kind of primal energy. Um, the beat is one thing, it's thick, it's constantly testing your listening device, like, constant in terms of bass, but, um, yeah, this tri- this trio is so underrated, even from a lyrical standpoint, they just got such good bars. Um, my favourite one here is where uh, it actually goes, um, Chauncey Billets on Big Shot, and I'm so surprised I haven't heard that yet, because Chauncey Billets on Big Shot is just, it's just ripe for the picking from a hip-hop perspective, I'm surprised that sounds been done until now, so, yeah, absolute banger, hello. Uh, Django Jane, uh, Janelle Monet. Um, now I didn't really know about Janelle Monet from a music standpoint. I knew she, I knew who she was, and I've heard of her stuff before. Before she was in Hidden Figures and Moonlight, which I when I was truly introduced to her, obviously as an actress, but as a musician, I didn't really know her all that well. 
Um, I did watch a video on Afrofuturism and they talked about her a lot. So, you know, other than that, not really much. Um, but so this was the first track I actually properly listened to of Janelle Monet's and, you know, what a first track to listen to. Because, you know, even though, even though she ain't the rapping type, she cleans up on this track. Like, you know, this is my pad, this champagne in my chalice. It, it's just, and you know, the music video goes with it as well, with the royalty aspect of it and... You know, talking about how she, uh, you know, uh, how she made history of the Oscars, uh, being part of Hidden Figures and Moonlight, and, you know, having an egot in her sights, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. Um, she laces a track, you know, harking back to her Afrofuturism roots, and um, and it's a very feminism track. Like, you know, above all, above all that, it's a feminist track, you know, in the, in the, on the last, uh, uh, one of the last lines is, uh, let the vagina have a monologue. So that kind of says, that kind of says uh, everything about it, really. Um, uh, the next one is kind of a fifty-fifty uh, for most people. Uh, it's "Win" by J Rock, and um, you know, I know people. Some some people in the hip hop circles didn't really rate this song a, a lot because obviously it's very, you know, I will admit it's it's a bit of a low LCD for, uh, sh- uh, a song, lowest common denominator. It's a bit of that, you know, it's not, you know, lyrically it's not, you know, J-Rock's best. It's very pop rap, obviously. It's very hip pop. Um, so, you know, but on the just the hype front, it just gets me so hype. It's, it's about winning for crying out loud. It's great. Like, excuse me. Um, just do anything, right? Wash your dishes and then once you have that, excuse me, once you have that sense of accomplishment, just play that. And you just feel better about yourself. It's great. So... You know, it's a bit of a lowest common denominator hip hop music, but you know, we all have those. We all have those. You lot have Drake, so um, you know. Uh, so I I I have a win by J Rock. Um, this is probably you know if I was ranking it, it would this will probably be song of the year. Uh, this is America by Charles Gambino. Yeah, I can't. There's not, obviously not much I can say about it. You know, everyone's done the everyone's dissected every lyric, uh, every frame of the video like if this doesn't get every grammy it's nominated for i I will not understand um who hasn't heard the song who hasn't watched the video like it's just it's it's just great it's one of the greatest music videos ever made in my opinion um i was going to say it's thriller level but i don't want to say but it's probably not thriller level (laughs) I'm I'm being I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, but it is one of the higher in the higher echelon of music video uh, music videos in music history. Um, the symbolism of it, the lyrics of it, it's just all round. It's just a great song. Uh, a more personal one for me: "Bad Bad News" by Leon Bridges. If you haven't listened to Leon Bridges yet, you really should because he's such a throwback artist. You know, he's got he's he, he's a great crooner. He's a, he's a, but also very slick as well. Like you know, he'll 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 croon a bar, right? But he'll also steal your girl. Like let's not get let's not let's not get it twisted, right? Um, it's just such a confidence about him. It's just very alluring, and uh, and it's all wrapped in this '60s deep South persona. Um, so you know, he is an acquired taste, I will admit, but he has these throwback vibes while also seeming modern at the same time. And this song is no different. Um, just the the the. <laughs> He go, I go, uh, he may say, let me slip through while you're trying to hold me back. And it sounds like a question, but the way he says it, it sounds more like an order. So, you know, it's, it's something that you, it's, it's a great song for me to listen to. It makes me feel good. It gives me confidence. Um, there's one bit where he goes, um, 
uh, hit him with a stunning grace and watch their ankles break. Ugh, God, that's some Adam Iverson shit right there. It's just great. I love it. Um, yeah, the, the the song just oozes confidence and uh, yeah, so it's a great song for me personally. Um, this could have gone either. This could have gone a lot of ways in terms of the artist and the song I pit and song I could have uh, songs I could have picked, but I instead picked uh, "Lost and Found" by Georgia Smith. Uh, so if you listen to an album, you could have easily picked February third or Blue Lights, and Blue Lights has been out for like two two years. Like it was one of her first songs ever uh, ever recorded. I actually, um, I don't know if I've told you on this on the podcast, but um, I actually went to see her support. Um, obviously unknowing, she was not known at that point, she, yeah, really, honestly, she had like three songs under her belt, one of them being Blue Lights, and she was supporting Nao, who I wanted to see in Leeds, um, and she was great, she did those three songs, and I think she did a cover as well of something, but yeah, obviously since then, she's skyrocketed, and she's a, well, not a household name, but she's a name of, of, of worth now, and yeah, it's, it's a bit of an odd pick, I will admit, but the song, I, I can't really explain it, right? And I don't know if you guys have ever had this feeling with any other eyes, but when I think of a Georgia, a quintessential Georgia Smith song, and, and I understand it's you know early in her career, but when I think about a quintessential Georgia Smith song, Lost and Found is that song, where it's just it's just calm. She just croons over it. She has this high note near the end of it. It's just it's just so. Yeah, I can't, I can't really say much more than it's a quintessential George Smith song, and that's really all I can say about it. I did say more on the on the on the on the article itself, but you'd have to read it. Um, next one is a, a real real easy pick, uh, Shara Story by Ratman. Yeah, I can't say much. I can't say much more about it. If you have if you haven't listened uh, or even watched the video videos, um, go watch them immediately. Uh, one of the best storytelling uh, uh songs of the year and yeah it's just it's just it's just an amazing it's just an amazing song on its on its own it's an amazing song but obviously with the videos it just adds a whole mother whole another dimension to it um the twist at the end that hit me like a ton of bricks honestly i did not see that coming um but yeah if you haven't if you if you don't know what i'm talking about go watch the video and listen to the song support rap um and big up on the on the rock on, on the uh uh, Rockefeller or Rock Nation? Yeah, one of the one of the signing. He got he got signed basically. So big up there. Uh, next one, ASAP Forever Remix, Kid Cudi, Moby, and Ti featuring uh, featuring them by ASAP Rocky. Um, ASAP Rocky for me is kind of a very hit and miss artist. I will admit, um, from a music standpoint, I know he likes to be creative and stuff like that. But really, like you know, his album testing wasn't really that good in my opinion. But this song is great. I have I've had this on my reputation since. Especially the remix, uh, I really enjoy the remix uh, with Kid Cudi's verse as well. It's uh, yeah, but obviously the you know the highlight of it is same with the the Evils by Sir. Similar thing, um, the 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 sample, uh, the '99 song Porcelain by Moby. It's it just makes this song and you know the boom clap boom clap uh, during during the song. It's just it's just very anthemic. Um, and yeah, so, uh, there's, there are a couple of lyrics I find questionable by say, like him saying he's the, uh, he put New York on the map. I mean, I'm, you know, granted, I'm not an ASAP Mob fan. I like I like Ferg. I'm not biggest fan of Rocky, and I don't really know any any others. I think Twelve is another one, but yeah, um, I didn't really consider him putting New York on the map because I didn't really even know he was from New York until I don't know. I looked up his Wikipedia page one time, honestly. So. 
Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, there was one line where he says, um, uh, uh, me and my girl like uh, kissing to Frank Ocean blonde and convincing her to go blonde. It's it's just great wordplay. Um, that was uh, and only this one bit where he speaks uh, Spanish or some sort of uh, Hispanic language, and it's just uh, it's a great bit. Um, this one's a very deep one again. Uh, this is Distorted Skylines by Clyde Guevara. If you, you haven't, you probably haven't heard of Clyde Guevara, but this song itself is just amazing. Absolutely an amazing track. Um, yeah, from the first time I listened to it, I've been enamored with it since. Um, it's just got this very simple beat, but it's got this uh. It's just got this um very quiet like sample that kind of fizzes out sometimes. It kind of like cuts down. It's very glitchy, but it for some reason works. Um, but the lyrics itself, just a story he told about like his uh, brother who died, and basically him talking about that. It goes uh it's so vivid as well. He goes blood under my nails, um, and he talks and it's the last verse. The last verse just kicks me in the teeth every time. It's just um. Uh, talks talking about her the actual funeral itself and having his uh mum's uh makeup and tears like smudged onto his white suit because he's cr- she's crying on him, and him uh carrying his casket the same as the same color as his suit. It's just uh, man, it's just really hard hitting, really hard hitting performance uh, performance wise as well. Performance wise, whoa, he sounds like he's breaking down in the last verse. Honestly, he sounds like he's breaking down, and that's just really on kinks really what knocks it into the home run for me so um if you want a deep song yeah Clive Guevara um Distorted Skylines and also this is album Free Jar it's actually a good album um next is uh, Run Run by Ray Black it's very similar to um uh, the reason why I picked uh, this and Hangman uh, by Dave obviously she has a she she had the same motivation she saw all the things going on in terms of London and the you know young black men getting stabbed and stuff like that and obviously there's been a rise in that so that was obviously her motivation on this front, on this uh, on this particular song. And I also do consider Empress, but I obviously picked this instead. Um, yes, yeah, so, so she clearly went more... Uh, well, Dave's was more of a poetry entry. This was more poetic and calculated. And obviously it was, it was for her album, so she was obviously more calculated from that standpoint. But it tells them two stories of her youth. One where it's like this... Uh, uh, this guy with a gun uh, comes into a party, basically, and obviously they're similar ages, and like, uh, yeah, he just uh, obviously tries to give it, give it one, and so he's act- he's, feeling, he's trying to feel big, basically. And uh, there's another one where like, uh, it's uh, this kid trying to rob it home, and he also has a gun, and it's just, like saying, what happens if you know they come back early? Um, what are you gonna do? You're gonna shoot them? So um, it's very, it's very interesting commentary on not just um, what this happening in uh, London and also other cities in the country, you know, Glasgow as well and, uh, and other countries, but uh, other other uh, cities. But um, it's also a commentary on like toxic masculinity in a world in, in a way. So um, yeah, it's a very it's a very interesting track and uh, just um, uh, beat wise is very good as well. Um, uh, very uh, enjoy that track. Uh, next one is uh, Flex by Knox Brown. Um, this is one of the smoothest songs about flexing you will ever hear. Um, Knox Brown is one of the most talented people in music today, honestly. He's a elite producer, he's worked with the biggest and best. Um, uh, but he's also very good in terms of his own work, his lyrical, uh, he can, he can rap, he can sing, he's got, got good vocals as well, and obviously the production is just always on point, always on point. So, um, yeah, this is a great example of his skills. Um, he bas- this is basically a song about the social politics of flexing. 
Um, in the chorus, he just goes, I just want to flex with you, basically. Flex with this girl he wants to flex, uh, basically flex with and be with. And uh, But she's going like, uh, you're, you're, you're acting brand new. So, um, you know, it's just very interesting how... Uh, how he just basically made a song about the social politics of flexing, but it's very catchy. The chorus is sublime. Um, yeah, it's just an amazing track. Uh, next one uh, is uh, "Offense" by Little Sims. Um, as you, as some of you know, I'm a big fan of Little Sims as a, as an artist. Um, she's been touring and recording all year, but um, obviously she's uh, recording her third studio album. She's dropping that, uh, I guess, early next year, I assume, and. Um, Am I going to sneeze? Am I going to sneeze? I might sneeze. <laughs> you know when you're in the middle of sne- in the middle and you can see it, hear it coming? There it is. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, so she made a, she dropped three singles in anticipation for the third studio album. And uh, the first one was Offense. And it's probably my favourite out of them. Um, I could have also said 101 FM, also worth a, also worth a listen. Uh, but I chose Offense because... Um, Something I noticed from her after she did her second album, Stillness in Wonderland, she suddenly gained this confidence with the pen, and not just like in you know, personal in in her personal life, which I don't know about, but I mean in terms of writing and what she's writing about. Like she she she's been doing flex bars now, and like talking about how her pen's the maddest. She says on here, "I'm Jay Z on a bad day, Shakespeare on my worst days." Just think about that. Just let that one sink in. Oh, if that's if that's not one of the best bloody lines of the year, like come on, that's a bar, that's a bar. And she also uh, goes to she's Picasso with the pen. Yeah, it's just um she's doing a lot of chest puffing, and I'm really enjoying it as a as a, as a fan of her music because uh, in her early days, um you know she does she her mixtapes had this um spacey attitude towards them. So um to have all these flex bars coming in now and she's, like she's really feeling herself is just so it's gratifying actually. So. Uh, it's very, it's very interesting. I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, next one is a uh, prom slash king by Saba. Um, also could have picked calligraphy, but I chose this one because this is just a, it's just the crown jewel of his album that dropped this year called uh, Care for Me. Give that a listen. Uh, so it's a two and one track, one called Prom and one called King. Um, and it's basically the emotional climax of the whole album, uh, but on its own, it's just an amazing way of storytelling it's just it's probably one of the best anecdotal tracks you'll hear this year um so it basically covers his late cousin walter who died who was murdered in february 2017 and uh one of the stories is the start of his basically talking about how he was hooked up by walter with a prom date and he was actually desperate for one at the time so he needed one quick so he got him one and basically the night ended in a violent altercation um but yeah the track can be very ambiguous at times but then when you you know, if you properly listen to it, it just, uh, it just all come, it just, it just all flourishes in in between your eyes. So like, you know, when like someone's painting and you're not really sure what it is yet. And then when you just see it finished, you're like, oh, right. That's basically what this track is, uh, the whole thing. So, um, yeah, it's a great, it's, a, it's, it's an amazing track and a great example of anecdotal lyricism. Uh, next one, uh, got three, I think three more now. Yeah, last three. Um, uh, this is Another Lifetime by Nao. Um, uh, if you don't, if you don't know, I'm a big, 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 big fan of Nao. Um, obviously saw her live, like I said, of um, in the Georgia Smith bit. Uh, saw her live, and I'm gonna see her live next year as well. Um, this track is amazing. This track is, <laughs> I can't. It's, the song gives me chills. That's basically all I can say about it. Um, she has this 
she has this an- the most angelic voice you'll ever hear. Um, and the soft bass that comes into this when the chorus comes in, it's just, oh, it just gives me chills just thinking about it, honestly. It's just such a, it's such a great track. It's something that could have been in her first album, but it just really fits in her second album. Um, so yeah, it's just an amazing track all around. Excuse me. Um, so this penultimate one is a Sojourner by Rhapsody and J. Cole. And I found this track real fascinating, just, just be, not on the... On, on two fronts, one, the fact that they're both from North Carolina, they're both North Carolina based, but they have only collabed once, and this was the track, and it was obviously this year, so they've been in the game for a good 10 years, each of them, so, you know, I, I was surprised they haven't done anything until now, uh, but, I'm you know, no time like the present, I guess. Um, so they hopped on this ninth wonder beat, amazing sample as always, um, thick bass, uh, thick, thick drums and hi-hats, uh, is there hi-hats in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, hi hats as well, and um, and you know, I know that they probably don't care about this in the competition sense, but I find it so fascinating that out of all the out of all the J Cole features that he's done this year, and he's done a and he's done a few, fair few, like did one with Jid, did one with Wale, he's done a lot. Um, this is the only track where it features another artist, and Rhapsody has actually won this. Like her verse on this is so much, you know. They're both great. They're both great verses, but I just really gravitate towards Rhapsody's verse more than J. Cole's. Um, it's, it, I just find that real fascinating that, like, you know, she took control of this song uh, where J. Cole usually has been taking control of uh, tracks by other people. It's just it's just interesting. I found that uh, dimension, uh, dimension of it interesting. But, yeah, great track all around. Um, and the last one is Brothers Keeper uh, featuring Push T by Anderson Pack. Obviously, could have picked Tints, could have picked Cheers off the album, but I picked this one. Um, I think the only reason I did pick it um, is it's just because of how it fits with Pusher and also Anderson. Um, Q-Tip's great on Cheers, okay? Kendrick's great on Tints, but Pusher T is freaking perfect for this track. Just, just when you listen to the song, like when the beat comes in, you hear the guitar... And you hear the drums and it goes, and increasingly gets louder. And there's a choir coming in the background, and just all crescendos. It's going up and up and up, and just goes, and then it just breaks down. It's just, it is just absolutely silly track. And you know, the build-up gives me like imagery of like Wild West, Magnificent Seven vibes. Um, the lyrics by both of them gives me the images of like um, them in two black suits, just all black. Um, and they stand in like the middle of the church. It's, it's just great imagery for for me personally. Just like thinking about where would they be for this. It's just like it's just it's just it's just a boss track all around. Um, it's it's completely amazing. Um, so yeah, that's my twenty. That's my top twenty. That's a basic out outlook on all of them. If you want more detail, obviously, uh, look up the uh, top twenty songs article on fifthelement.org.uk. Obviously, put the link on that in the description. Uh, well, in the article as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's the end of the show. Bit of a long one, I will admit. Um, but um, yeah, it was, uh, it was well worth it. And, uh, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad I go over an hour now because uh, it's, uh, it's something I I kind of like to do on a, as a benchmark for myself personally, just to see if I can actually you know talk lengthly. You know, uh, something that I like. Something I enjoy. It's a nice milestone that I like getting to every time. 
Um, so yeah, hope you've uh, guys enjoyed the show. Um, I'll see you back next Thursday. Hope yeah, it's after well, it's after Christmas anyway. So have a wonderful Christmas. Have a wonderful Boxing Day. Get them Boxing Day deals, you know. Um, and yeah, uh, before that will be the New Year. Oh no, yeah, it'll be be the New Year after the next show. So um, yeah, I'm gonna have to do something about that. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be thinking about that and trying to think of things, some things to do for that. Because New, New Year's is one of my favorite. It's my favorite time of year. Uh, just so you know, it's one of my favorite time of year. But um, yeah, other than that, hope you guys have uh, enjoyed the show. This has been a Fifth Element Podcast Network production. Oscar with Charlie Taylor. See you next week. Deuces. And you know, I had to get my extra thoughts in. So if you guys uh, don't know what this uh, part of the podcast is about, it's what's good extra. I get some extra thoughts that obviously couldn't stretch over a whole segment or didn't feel like it merited a whole segment. So yeah, I'm just going to give a small, small tidbits here and there, my opinion. And uh, yeah, and it's all going to happen in two minutes and 51 seconds, which is the length of Book T and the MG's Some Green Onions. So without further ado, let's get the stopwatch going. Three, two, one, and go. So, I want to talk about Alfonso Ribeiro, big up Alfonso, Carlton, obviously, as you guys know. Um, he's actually suing Epic Games, creators of Fortnite, for taking his dance, and I am all for this because so many people do dances on there and then they call it a Fortnite dance when it actually has a different origin, and it pisses me off. It, I don't know why, it just pisses me off. Like, if he, if, if people called the for, uh, if, if people called the Cohen dance the Fortnite dance, I'll be, I'll be raging. So uh, if if that ever happens, I hope hope it doesn't. But if it ever does, wow, you, you guys need to sort your lives out seriously. But yeah, big up Alfonso for suing the shit. Go get him, boy. Go get him. Um, the Twitter sphere and also basically mainly the most of social media have been talking about who is the king of R&B after artist Jacquees. Um, actually uh, the, said he's the king of R&B, which is so laughable because I've never heard a song from him. And, you know, in my opinion, uh, I was actually asked by a friend who, uh, who do you think he is, or they just asked me what your thoughts on it. And, you know, honestly, I don't really care. Um, and I'm not really an R&B person, but um, in terms of what I think who the king of R&B is, unfortunately, I think it's R. Kelly. Um, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, you know, it's R. Kelly and, you know, what we know about him now, but, you know, you look consider Michael Jackson, the king of pop, and he's done some questionable shit as well, so, okay. You consider Miles Davis, one of the kings of jazz, and he's done some questionable shit, so, okay. So, you know, unfortunately, it is R. Kelly, in my opinion. Uh, you know, you can, you can debate that, and I would give it to you, because I don't really care that much, it's not that deep for me. I'm not really into R&B that much. Um, I will, I will one day. And uh, lastly, a little Guardian article here uh, where it says, uh, Big Screen Boom, UK cinemas on track for the best year since 1971. And that honestly just warms my heart, the fact that people still mess with the uh, cinema. I'm so happy uh, uh, 
that people are just uh, still going to the cinema and still value the cinema, basically, and the cinema experience. I know Netflix and, you know, the Amazon Prime have made it, you know, very easy, but there's nothing like the cinema experience. You know, it's, it's nothing like it. And I always, and every time I go, it's actually worth it because, you know, I just, I just remember it so much more clearly. You know, I watch a film on TV, you know, all the time. I watch TV all the time. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't feel special. So, um, yeah, big up to the UK people, to, to all the people that have been going to cinema. Um, yeah, that's my time's up. Take it easy.